Welcome back to Sports Crunch with Ecrom, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, David Cromelo. Happy New Year, everybody. We hope all of you had a wonderful holiday. And the 2017 NFL regular season, just like that, has ended. Feels like just yesterday it kicked off with that um, matchup between the Chiefs and Patriots in Foxborough. And that means it's officially playoff time. The final lap to Super Bowl 52 officially begins this Saturday afternoon as wildcard weekend commences. And to help us break down all four wildcard playoff matchups, we are joined once again by our good friend Hal Bent, NFL and Patriots writer for Cover32.com, MusketFire.com, and Scout Media. Happy New Year, Hal. Are you ready for some playoff football? I am ready for playoff football. Happy New Year, David. You as well, my friend, and speaking of of football, let's talk some football, but before we go into the matchups for this weekend, I want to know, what were your big takeaways from this 2017 regular season in general? From the regular season in general, I think it was nice to see teams that were bouncing back, Um, you know, the Bills getting into the playoffs again is a wonderful thing, you know, the Falcons shaking off that early postseason hangover to fight their way into the playoffs here at the end of the season. And then just some of the amazing individual performances by the players, you know, Tom Brady putting up uh, MVP numbers at age 40, you know, the Carson Wentz and Jared Goff breakout seasons this year, leading their teams to the top of their divisions. Um, So many new stars and, and all those injuries that we had to deal with as well, you know, robbed of seeing Odell Beckham Jr. for the year and, and so many other premier players. David Johnson with Arizona was a huge injury. So, so many different things this year. And um, the less about anthem protests and the more about time uh, play on the field, that's what the 27 NFL season should be. Totally. And uh, speaking of injuries, let's also not forget Julian Edelman, J.J. Watt, Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson. This season um, is was one to forget in terms of injury to star players. It, it was the worst part of this season, and I hope we don't have to have another season like this again where too many key players to the NFL's product get sidelined for the season due to injury. Uh, hopefully 2018 brings us brighter days on that front, and hopefully all of the injured players from Odell Beckham Jr. to Carson Wentz to Deshaun Watson come back stronger than ever before. And now let's proceed to the first of the four wildcard matchups. Wildcard weekend will commence on Saturday afternoon at Arrowhead Stadium, where the Tennessee Titans, who are in the playoffs for the first time since 2008, take on the Kansas City Chiefs, who are the winners of the AFC West for the second year in a row. And the Titans are the biggest underdog in wildcard weekend uh, for a good reason. They are the worst of the eight teams playing this weekend, in my opinion. And, uh, the struggles of their offense, especially of Marcus Mariota, have persisted uh, in this latter part of the season. But Mariota um, was very efficient on Sunday in that huge Titans win that got him uh, to this moment. And uh, and the Titans did a very good job of playing his strengths uh, against the Jaguars on Sunday. And how should the Titans game plan in order to best set up Marcus Mariota for further success this Saturday in Kansas City? Well, the key for... Tennessee, as it has been all season, is going to be running the football. If there is a weakness that the Chiefs have, it is on the run defense. Um, Tennessee can pound the ball. They do have uh, a bit of an injury concern going into Sunday. Um, With DeMarco Murray, their lead running back, they still have 
a Derrick Henry there as well, but he had a very rough game um, in the last uh, regular season game there against Denver, having trouble getting on track, but they need to run the ball. Kansas City, if there is a weakness, they're 25th in the NFL in rushing yards allowed, and when they give up more than 120 yards rushing, that's when Kansas City has struggled at 3-3 three and three this season. So for Tennessee, it's going to be ground and pound to set up an easier time for Marcus Mariota throwing the football. I completely agree, which leads me to this point. In a matchup of team strengths, which of these units has the edge? The Chiefs pass rush or the Titans offensive line? Well, I'm going to go if Kansas City is able to pin their ears back they still have the personnel to be able to get after the quarterback consistently. Um, Justin Houston remains Justin Houston. He may not have gotten to the double-digit sacks, but he's right there. Uh, young Chris Jones has become a force in the middle of the defensive line, at least in the pass rush. He's struggled still in the running game like most young defensive tackles. But getting to the quarterback, he's added that extra dimension of being able to collapse that pocket and adds that extra pass rush component that Kansas City so desperately needs. I completely agree. And since the Chiefs pass rush has that advantage, what is the best way for the Titans to mitigate that pass rush? It's going to be run, run and set up play action all day long. And if they can, you know, find a way to get their tight ends involved in the game as well, that's a great way to slow that pass rush and force those defensive ends to get outside and have to account for those tight ends, uh, maybe even chip them at the line of scrimmage, and that will slow down that pass rush. So Delaney Walker is going to be a key for Tennessee in slowing down that Kansas City ferocious pass rush. Indeed, as will that running game, and thus we agree that running the football is the Titans' best ingredient for success on offense in order to pull out an upset at Arrowhead. But on defense, they obviously have to be concerned with a Chiefs offense that has rediscovered their swagger from early in the season uh, because uh, Kareem Hunt has uh, gotten back on track after a dormant uh Middle part of the season, he's finally played like the Offensive Rookie of the Year candidate that I knew him to be. And obviously you got Travis Kelsey, arguably the best tight end in the game, not named Rob Gronkowski. And uh, Tyree Kill, who is always capable of uh, killing you by burning you deep and catching a long touchdown. So which of those three big weapons for the Chiefs, Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey, or Tyree Kill, will be the most important for the Titans defense to keep in check? For the Titans' defense, they're going to have to stop Kareem Hunt. Um, he, Kareem Hunt is the force that drives that Kansas City offense. When he struggled, the entire offense struggled. His ability to run the ball sets up the passing game to Kelsey, gets the safeties up closer to the line of scrimmage to allow Tyreek Hill to get deep. Um, but, you know, Getting that running game, Kansas City has to establish that run. When the team rushed for 100 yards or more this season, they were 9-2 in 2017. So if I'm Tennessee, I'm, I've got my sights set right on Kareem Hunt to try to stop him early in the game and get Kansas City out of that game plan. Completely agree. Completely agree. And who do you think wins this matchup and why? You know, I mean, it, it's funny because you're seeing the Titans who looked so good earlier in the year were eight and four after beating the Texans in uh, the first week of December and have struggled down the stretch um, 
but the Chiefs are winners of four straight, but they beat Oakland. They beat the Chargers. They beat Miami. They beat Denver. Um, that's not exactly murderer's row in the 2017 NFL season. And I really wanted to give Tennessee a chance to win the game, but I just don't think the offense is going to have enough to outlast the Chiefs. They'll make a good game of it early um, in the first half, but I see Kansas City pulling away 20-14 to 14 over the Titans. I think the Titans make this game uh, closer than many expect, but I do agree. The Chiefs are way too superior for them to lose. It's going to take a catastrophic performance by the Chiefs in order for the Titans to win, and I have the Chiefs winning by a final score of 24-20. to 20. And moving to the Saturday night game, uh, football is back in Los Angeles. The first playoff game, NFL playoff game in Los Angeles since God knows when as the Rams host the defending NFC champion Atlanta Falcons who got in with a gritty performance against the Carolina Panthers uh, last week. And I wanted to pick the Falcons to win this game, but I'm kind of having second thoughts on that right now, Hal, for this reason. It was announced today that Falcons guard Andy Levitri will go on injured reserve. Can that absence be the difference between a win and a loss for the Falcons, especially going up against arguably the best defensive player in the NFL right now in Aaron Donald? That's a huge factor. Uh, controlling Aaron Donald both in the passing game and the rushing game is key for Atlanta. And I was with you as well, David. I was looking at this and saying, you know, the way the Falcons have turned it on here in the second half of the season and turned their season around, they really do have a chance to go in on the road and win this game. They're battle-tested. They went through it last season, um, getting all the way to the Super Bowl. They fought their way back. But um, that is a huge key for Atlanta. We talked about Levitre earlier in the season when he was dinged up as well and missed a couple of games as, as how important he is to that Atlanta offense. And they're going to have to run the ball if they're going to keep that dangerous Los Angeles Rams offense on the sideline on Saturday night. They most certainly are. And you mentioned about the Falcons uh, prior playoff experience. How much of an advantage does that experience give Atlanta and how much of a disadvantage does the Rams playoff inexperience give them? It's a funny thing because every year you look at it and you say, well, you know, there, there's situations where, that experience, you see younger teams crumble, and then you see teams like the Rams last year that just, you know, they don't know what they don't know, and they just build that confidence up quarter after quarter, game after game. Um, for Atlanta, unfortunately, they got halfway through the Super Bowl before it crumbled on them, but, um, you know, it, it's tough to determine sometimes exactly who, you know, whether that experience is going to make a difference, but a lot of the Rams players haven't been there, haven't done that. Um, you know, the coaching staff, Atlanta at least had uh, Dan Quinn, who had been there with Seattle and had that experience behind him. That was a that was a huge advantage as well. So I think Atlanta is going to have a little bit of an advantage having been through the ringer last year and having that experience when they go on the road on Saturday. Yes, and what about the Rams? Does uh, their playoff experience give them a disadvantage? Yeah, it, it's going to be a little bit of a disadvantage. You know, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, Cooper Cup, uh, you know, even Aaron Donald, they haven't been there. Um, it's a different game. We see it every year in the playoffs. You know, you see teams, sometimes it takes them a quarter, um, sometimes it takes them a half. 
the speed of the game increases. The officials are not calling as many penalties in most cases. You know, they um, they break up the official groups um, in the playoffs as well. So they, they're not as familiar with each other. They're not going to they don't want to decide a playoff game. Um, so there's less flags being thrown and teams have to adapt to that as well. That's part of where that experience comes in as well. So it might take the Rams a little while to get up and running on Saturday and they, they're probably going to have a little bit of a disadvantage because of not being in this situation before. I completely agree. And which of the following two scenarios gives the Falcons their best chance of winning this game, Matt Ryan having his best game of the year or the Falcons defense dominating like they did against Carolina last week. Oh, it's got to be the defense. They've got to get the, the Rams off the field. They've got to keep them off the field. They've got to work. Their uh, defense has got to force a couple of three and outs. They can't give up any big plays to the Rams offense as well. That offense is so strong. They can't get into a shootout with the Rams and expect to come out on top of that. Julio Jones going uh, off, notwithstanding, but (laughs) um, yeah, they've got to be able to get that. The Rams have a lot of, you know, they have that explosive offense. They've got a well. They've got an advantage on special teams as well. I'll give them that as well. So Atlanta's got to figure out a way to um, to get the Rams off the field and run that football if that's what it takes to uh, control the clock and give their defense a chance to stay rested and stay aggressive. Absolutely. And who do you think wins? Well, you can game plan to stop the run against the Rams and stop. Um, Todd Gurley coming out of the backfield as a receiver and a runner. But um, like Mike Tyson once famously said, everybody's got a game plan until you get punched in the face. And um, I just don't see Atlanta being able to have the horses to hold off that Rams offense. And I see the Rams pulling it out 27 to 23 after a slow start against the Falcons. I still believe in this Falcons defense. Grady Jarrett, who would have been Super Bowl 51 MVP had the Falcons hold on, held on, he has been a monster these past couple weeks. He was absolutely disruptive against the Panthers last Sunday, and I believe he will be a big difference for the Falcons in this game. He will uh, take the run away from the Rams, forcing them to attack, and I think the team speed of the Falcons and their ball hawkish ways will be enough to pull off the upset against the Rams. I'm taking the Falcons 23 to 20. It's going to be a close one, though. And before we talk about our next game, uh, I want to do a celebration in the spirit of Chris Vermin. And you can say with me, Hal, nobody circles Circles. the wagons Wagons. like the Buffalo Buffalo Bills. Bills. Yes, indeed. The Buffalo Bills, the streak is over. They are back in the playoffs after 17 years of waiting impatiently. It's it's one of the best things to happen to sports here, especially the way it happened. They needed a miracle from the Cincinnati Bengals, and they got it. The Bengals completing a 40-some-yard touchdown pass on a fourth and forever in the final seconds to beat the Ravens, to knock the Ravens out of the playoffs and put the bills in giving the Ravens a heartbreaking defeat in a similar fashion. Like they gave the Broncos in the 2012 divisional playoff game. It was a poetic justice for uh, in Denver a little bit, but even more so for Buffalo, the bills deserve that break. And after 17 years, especially the season when everybody thought they were taking, they are back in the playoffs and the future. I think can only get brighter for them. Um, from this day forward. 
And uh, But now let's talk about the game as they travel to Jacksonville to face the Jaguars and their former head coach, Doug Marone, and their former defensive lineman, Marcel Darius, who's been playing hungry lately. But uh, that aside, uh, the last few weeks have been alarming for the Jaguars due to one reason, and that is Blake Bortles. The past couple weeks, Blake Bortles has played more like the 2016 version of himself after he was playing like a pro bowler, for crying out loud, in early December. Which version of Blake Bortles do you expect to see on Sunday afternoon? Unfortunately, I expect to see the same old Blake Bortles out there. The question is going to be is whether Buffalo is able to hold on to the football for a couple of interceptions or whether a couple of them clank off their hands or a uh, fortuitous bounce bounces the ball back into a Jaguars receiver's arms because I, I didn't believe in Blake Bortles earlier in the season when he looked like he had turned it around and I just kept waiting for that other shoe to drop and it, it seems like the Cinderella season's over for him but again you never know once the playoffs start it's a new season but I'm betting against the new and improved Blake Bortles. I am too I think this game is going to be an ugly low scoring affair and it's compounded even more so by the fact that Adam Schefter today reported that LaShawn McCoy who suffered a very tough looking ankle injury uh, last Sunday against the Dolphins is going to be a game time decision this Sunday. And that uh, is not the best news uh, for Buffalo. And if the Sean McCoy cannot go, how can Buffalo win? Can they win without LaShawn McCoy? It's going to be hard. No, no, they don't have a prayer without LaShawn McCoy out there because that whole offense is LaShawn McCoy. He leads them in the running game. He leads them in the passing game. Um, outside of him, there's not much there for Buffalo. Um, you know, at, at the backup for the running back position, they've got Mike Tolbert, who's basically an over-the-hill fullback. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the passing game, they've been looking for consistency. Rookie Zay Jones has had a very inconsistent season. He's been targeted 74 times and only has 27 catches. Uh, Jordan Matthews was a bust at tight end Charles Clay continues to underperform year after year. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, you know, it's little L- Sean McCoy is the reason the bills are in the playoffs right now. It's he, he carried them on his back to the playoffs. So, um, you know, it's scary when you hear game time decision because you don't know if he goes out on the field and plays and makes one cut and he's back on the sideline. And, and that can sometimes be even worse for a team as well. Yes, and even if he does play, but is far less than 100%, I think that has to be very alarming for the Bills, especially against this Jaguars defense. Definitely, and they just don't have the kind of quarterback who can carve up this defense either in Tyrod Taylor, who does some things very well. He doesn't force turnovers. He doesn't force the ball uh, with poor throws into tight spots. He'll throw it away and wait for another um, series to try he can, he's very mobile he can extend plays he can run the ball on uh court designed quarterback runs but against jacksonville he doesn't really have a chance of of lighting that up with the the weapons that he has at tight end and wide receiver most definitely and let's go back to blake bortles for a minute and i want you to fill in the blank blake bortles has to throw the ball blank times in order for the jaguars to win I think he could get away with six. 
one of those, you know, <laughs> take that, you know, Joe Flacco, 2009, uh, <laughs> uh, Baltimore win over the Patriots and uh, Flacco, what he completed six passes for the game or something like that. It was, I don't think he has to throw the ball much. I think, you know, you've got Leonard Fournette, you've got Chris Ivory, who's a good um, backup back who can come in for a series to give him a breather. Um, that's going to be their bread and butter in this game. They've just got to ground and pound, and you know you don't hear it often, but uh, keep the ball out of the hands of their quarterback, and and make Bortles a game manager. Make them let them throw the ball a few times on you know third and manageable. You know get your uh, Mercedes Lewis involved in the game. A lot of safe passes to the tight end. That's the kind of game they need out of Blake Bortles. They most certainly do. And uh, in a game that I personally expect to be, as I alluded to, ugly and low scoring, what will be a more decisive factor? The turnover battle, the field position battle, or will they both be equally as decisive? It's going to be the turnover battle. Um, You know, Jacksonville has been forcing turnovers all season long with that fantastic defense. They can get at the quarterback. If they can get Tyrod Taylor, who doesn't turn the ball over, to turn the ball over a few times, that's going to be huge. And the same thing for the Bills. Their best bet of staying in the game is forcing those turnovers, keeping Jacksonville off the scoreboard. Um, you know, a red zone turnover could go a long way for Buffalo in building that defense's confidence and uh, motivating that offense. Yep, that'll be the most interesting component of this game. And the Falcons-Rams, that's still a hard one for me to predict. Even though I predicted the Falcons, I'm still waffling in between because I see so many potential advantages for the Rams in this game. This game's even tougher to pick. Like, It's kind of like a flip of the coin. Uh, it's even more of a coin flip than Falcons-Rams, uh, and I mean that sincerely. But at this moment in time, who would you have more faith on to win this matchup? I'm going to go with Jacksonville. That defense is so strong, and they have Leonard Fournette at running back. And They've got the number one rushing offense. The Bills are 29th in the league against the rush. So that's a decisive advantage for Jacksonville. Um, So Bortles or not, keep the ball out of his hands. Advantage Jacksonville. I think I'm going to have to go with the Jaguars too, because not just because they're at home, but because of what you just said, the Bills having a suspect run defense, the Jaguars having the horse to take advantage of that in Leonard Fournette and that defense, which will continue to play exceptionally well. I like the Jaguars in this game by a score of 16 to nine. And last but not least, an AFC, an NFC South showdown, beg your pardon, between the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints at the Superdome. And this is could be the game of the week because, yes, the Saints have had the Panthers number this year, but as uh, they say, it's very hard to beat it, the same team three times in a single season. But the Panthers have a little bit of concern heading into this game because Cam Newton has only completed 50% of his passes the last two weeks. How concerned should the Panthers be about Cam Newton heading into Sunday? Well, they should be very concerned, just like Buffalo with LaShawn McCoy. Uh, Cam Newton is that entire, um, you know, he, he throws the ball, he runs the ball. That's their offense right there. And so they need that Cam Newton that emerged in week four when he got healthy. The Cam Newton of early October, of November, 
and not the Cam Newton who's been limping down the stretch here. And as you alluded to, barely pulled out a win over Tampa Bay and got spanked by Atlanta last week. Um, so they need to get Cam Newton on track one way or another for Carolina to have a chance to uh, go into New Orleans and win that game. Yes, sir. And I think a good way for them to help Cam Newton get on track is to commit to the run more often, like with Jonathan Stewart. Uh, give him the ball inside the tackles uh, more often to start the game to help free up some space for Cam to do some of his magic. Uh, what do you say to that? Well, it's it's a good plan if it works. But, you know, Jonathan Stewart's looked like a running back that hit the wall at age 30 this year. He's averaged 3.4 yards per rush. And that's just not going to get it done against the Saints defense. And that may be just playing right into the hands of the Saints defense and forcing a couple of three and outs. Um, Carolina has been experimenting with having Christian McCaffrey running the ball more, which is something that they should have done from the beginning of the season. Um, he's been a little bit better. He might be that spark running the ball and catching the ball out of the backfield that that offense needs to take some of the pressure and attention off of Cam Newton. Absolutely, and it would do Cam Newton a tremendous favor if his receivers could separate from coverage because they were unable to separate against those Falcons corners last week. And now you go against Marshawn Lattimore, who's a defensive rookie of the year, no easy task. And since 1950, only 17 times has a team beat the same team thrice in the same year. What are some reasons the Saints will be the 18th team to do so? And what are some reasons that the Saints won't be the 18th team to do so? Well, the biggest reason that they, the Saints would be the third team to do that, uh, would be able to do that uh, and beat Carolina three times is Carolina has not gotten a handle on Alvin Kamara. He's got three rushing touchdowns against them in two games. We know what a weapon he is with the ball in his hand anywhere on the field. And if New Orleans can get that dual running game uh, with Kamara uh, going for their offense, Nobody's going to be able to stop the New Orleans Saints at home when they've got Ingram and Kamara both uh, running downhill. As far as how will Carolina turn that around, they need to get Greg Olson involved in the offense. The offense sputtered without him. He's had you know times where it looks like he's had some issues with his foot, come off the field, come back in, but not looked 100% out there. They need him as that option. He's going to op he's going to draw that attention to the middle of the field. He can run the seam route, and once he gets going, that opens up room for Devin Funchess outside of the numbers to make some plays, and opens it up underneath for McCaffrey coming out of the backfield as well. So he is such a key piece for Carolina, and if he's on and looks like, you know, the Greg Olson of 2016 the Carolina Panthers have a great chance of moving on in the playoffs. Absolutely. That definitely would be the reason the Saints would not become the 18th team to beat uh, another team three times in one season because the Saints, uh, they're the middle of their defense uh, from like Kenny Vaccaro to A.J. Klein, I believe, and a couple of their linebackers, they're injured right now and unlikely to play in this game. And Olsen, that gives the Panthers a golden opportunity to unleash Greg Olsen. And if they're able to do that, they could easily pull off the upset. That said, who do you think wins this game? I'm still leaning towards the Saints in this one. Um, th that offense is just, you know, they, they've turned around from 
you know, a high-flying passing attack to the, you know, one of those dynamic running games with two different pieces that they can pound you with Ingram. They can run outside the tackles and and pass to Kamara. And I think it's just going to be too much for Carolina trying to stop the Saints' running game. And if the Saints get that game run, the running game going, they've uh, in their 11 wins they've got they've averaged over 150 yards rushing, and in their five losses, only 81 yards per game they've averaged. So um, look for early on the Saints get it going. They're gonna they get it going on the ground. They're pretty much on their way to a win. Yeah, I agree. And as of right now, I would say the Saints win. But keep in mind, none of these predictions I make on this podcast today um, will reflect um, what I uh, predict later in the week. Uh, maybe they'll all stay the same, but all predictions minus the Titans Chiefs are subject to change for me. I still like the Saints in this game for now, but I might like the Panthers at the end of the week. Just uh, heads up to our listeners. And he is Hale Bent, ladies and gentlemen. He covers the NFL and the New England Patriots for Cover32.com, MusketFire.com, and Scout Media. Hale, we thank you so much once again for joining us to preview yet another amazing week of football. But before you go, I have one final question for you. Which teams playing this wildcard weekend are the closest thing to Super Bowl contenders in your view? Well, um, I'm going to go right to the NFC because right now I I think all six teams in the NFC are Super Bowl contenders. Um, You know, I think in the, the AFC you're looking at it's New England and it's Pittsburgh and that's the way it's been pretty much most of the season. And I think that's the way that's going to stay in the AFC. But I would give the Rams. I would give Atlanta if they got past them. I'd give New Orleans or Carolina with a healthy Greg Olson and uh, a hot Cam Newton a chance to beat anybody in that NFC. Because I think the, the, the strength of that conference with those six teams right there and not even counting the ones on the outside like Seattle that can give anybody a game anytime that didn't even make the playoffs. The NFC top to bottom Super Bowl contenders right there. Thank you very much for joining us once again, Hal. Uh, you can follow Hal on Twitter at HalBento1, and we look forward to having you back on next week when we preview the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, arguably the most important and exciting week on the football calendar. I'm looking forward to it, David. We got some great games this weekend as well. And, and like you said, um, looking ahead, it's probably just going to get better here. So it's it's been a great season, and, and now we're looking for a great playoff run here. Amen, Hal. And I pray to all you football gods up there, please, please deliver us one of the most competitive playoffs in in years because last year aside from the Super Bowl hardly barely any game save that Packers Cowboys game was competitive please make every game or if not most of the games including the Super Bowl super competitive we needed football gods and we pray hard to you but that's all for today here on Sports Crunch with D. Crom. be sure to check out the episode archive as well as an up-to-date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com and remember that is crunch with a k and if you enjoy these podcast episodes please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sports crunch so we can improve our itunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests for hail bent our producer chris broadhead i'm david kremel saying so long happy new year and of course stay awesome